every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house, your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. Rosie on the house, your outdoor living hour, Saturday morning tradition for 33 years. And we have a unique... Can, can we turn off the sprinklers? <laughs> Wait, hope. Very good. Go. Don't need those today. No, we don't. We've got a unique broadcast for you this Saturday, the first Saturday of the month. We have the Farm Bureau in, and we talk about farm fresh commodities coming off of our farms and ranches in that month in real time, connecting you to the local food and harvest that is available. The second Saturday of the month, we have an arborist that joins us talking all things trees. The third Saturday of the month, we've got Master Gardener, talking notes from the nursery, landscape, and gardening. The fourth Saturday of the month, we have the Urban Farm, who joins us. Well, every now and then, about four times a year, we have a magic fifth Saturday, which is today. And we've got uh, a variety of different things we do with this magic fifth hour, and it's always still tied to the outdoor living, landscape, gardening, and we've got a really great lineup today, and light, and, and, you know, we finally got Lots of great rain. Oh, man. I've heard in more than one report, wettest July on record. Yippity Yahoo Perudi. On record? Baby, on record. I hadn't heard that one. I heard this was wetter than the past two seasons combined. Wow, that's a good statistic. No, they've got got areas of Cochise and... uh, Santa Cruz County, they're reporting over nine inches. Woo-hoo-hoo. Baby. We'll take it. What, you said Cochise and where? La Cruz. Santa so, Cruz. Santa Cruz. So Cochise would, you know, that helps our watershed coming down the Verde eventually. But Santa Cruz, that's farther south. That, that, oh, that's, no. That's no, all, Cochise. I'm yeah. not Coconino's north. All right. Cochise yeah. is south, yes. No, that's all. But that helps the uh, Sulphur Springs oh, Valley. Sonoida, Sulphur Springs, Wilcox. No Gallus, Rio Rico, Green Valley. I mean, uh, you know, we, we're in an article regularly in the Green Valley News, the cover story of Green Valley I News. I was looking for that. I had that set aside to bring in today. <laughs> Poor guy in Minneapolis gets a phone call from his neighbor and says, uh, you've got a problem. <laughs> so he takes two days to drive from Minneapolis home and find six inches of mud through his whole house. Ooh. Oh, right there, beautiful Green Valley. So a subdivision that's been around for 35 years. Never you know, had a problem Never before. had a problem. Kaboom. But, uh, boy, sitting in Minneapolis and getting that phone call is kind of a stomach churning. <laughs> you, you've got a problem. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, when the water comes, it'll do what it wants to do, and you can't stop it. But... Uh, so what we've put together today is a series of guests that we're going to have on for the phone. We didn't bring any of them in because we're just going to keep them per segment because we're going to cover a lot of information, but it's what to do in your landscape and guard yard oh, man. in light of all of this rain. So the first place we're going to start is with the little things, all those little green sprouts that are coming up. That you, you, you thought, that man, you don't want, you, you forgot about <laughs> weeding because you haven't had to do it because we haven't had any rain and all those seeds have been sitting out there just waiting for a little moisture. And I will tell you this weekend, I told Amanda last weekend, you know, if we don't have rain, 
if it's not raining next weekend, you know, I've, I've got to carve aside two hours to make sure we get all of our property coded. Otherwise, we're going to be out here for two weeks hoeing and burning weeds again. At least. At least. <laughs> so we've got Scottsdale Weed, uh, Ray Lopez, a Rosie on the House certified partner, joining us on the line to talk about getting a jump start on all the sprouts because you, you, you get a hold of them earlier. It's a lot less work to do and you can help eliminate any potential seeds that those weeds might germinate if left alone. Mr. Lopez... Welcome to the broadcast this Saturday morning. How you doing, Romy? Very good. And we can tell you're out in the field, so I appreciate you taking a time out of your busy weekend, servicing your customers to help educate the rest of Arizona. Not a problem for you guys. Not a problem. How can I help you? Well, let's talk weeds. I'm assuming we're probably too late for any kind of pre-emergent right now, so we're looking at weed killing. No, we're doing a lot of pre-emergent right now, quite a, quite a bit. And we're just going to keep on going. And, and if the smaller the smaller properties that are just residential properties, I'm driving, so it's, it's I'm on a speaker, so it's fine. Can you hear me okay? Yes, go ahead. Okay. So the smaller properties... We can put on a material, the pre-emergent, you just water it in with a hose. Very simple. You wait a couple days. That way if there's weeds <laughs> sprouting, which there are a lot right now, Palo Verdes, mesquites, etc. They're just coming up left and right, Romy. And let me pull over here just so I can. Yes, I don't yes, to yes. <laughs> please, okay. please do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulled over on the side of the freeway. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I was actually at a place just picking up some material. And so you just water it in, it's real simple, if it doesn't rain. But I think we're going to get a plethora of rain. It's, uh, it's just going to keep coming, I think, you know, with all this moisture. What do you guys think? Do you think it's going to keep raining here in a couple of weeks? or You know, even, even when it says 100% uh, probability of rain in Arizona, I don't believe it till it falls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't try and do any kind of weather prediction. <laughs> I just mm. take what we can get and roll with it. Well, no, we, we are not too late for pre-emergent. We can do pre-emergent any time of the year. On my bigger commercial properties, we do try to time it around some kind of moisture. Good luck. But, you know, usually the fall, like with the botanical garden, things like that, we do it around uh, September, October areas. That covers all the winter annuals, biannuals, perennials, and then, It'll give us even into the springtime. And then we do our summer pre-emergent, and that'll cover the rest of the year. So I'm just trying to think the best thing for the customers. So twice a year, you're going to have a weed-free property. Nothing's coming up. Anything comes up, you call us. We're back out there within a week. Uh, we do use the clear material. There's no odor. Very safe for the pads. No, no problem there. And... You can re-enter the areas right after about 30 minutes with the material we use. Uh, no orange, yellow, messy stuff on the ground. It's pretty, pretty clean. We do a lot of Paradise Valley Scottsdale homes, so we have a higher standard of the material we have to use. A little more expensive, but it works really, really well, Romy and Rosie. Well, Rosie knows that. We do his house, though. So. Oh, man. Uh, my, my Tiff lawn is a testimony 
to what Ray can do for your backyard. I mean, I, Did I kill it yet? Or? Oh, Ray, that my, my tiff lawn, I would hold my tiff lawn up to any golf course in Arizona. It, I just go in the backyard and, and just sit in it. It just, and the dogs just think they're in heaven. They roll and roll and scratch their back. And it's absolutely spurge free after we've been battling that for how many years? I don't know. You asked what you could do to the home, what information you could share with the homeowners that would help them the most today. Why don't you just share with us your formula, what you put on my lawn? <laughs> well, it, it's, turf, it's, it's, a, it's a turf management program, but I can't tell you what I use because then the other guys will start doing it. And it's taken many years to develop that just right to control the insects, the fungus, the uh, pearl scale grub, uh, pre and post emergent fertilizer. There is a specific fertilizer and the vitamin that you put in there. Wow. That was that really helped green and get a lush lawn. The problem is most people aren't like you, Rosie. They want one treatment, they want it fixed immediately. That's just not gonna happen. And most companies don't even do turf management anymore. It's an art and I love doing it because I see the results from it, Rosie. Oh, man. And it's almost like a reward. I get nobody pats you on the back when you do pre-emergent weed control on their granite. And they don't have any weed. They just call you if they have weed. <laughs> if if you're doing the uh, the turf and you're bringing something back to life, I, I just did one from Rosie on the house the other day from us. One of your customers called, and I told him I said you got a. It's a nasty, nasty problem. It's spurge and bit. It's it's got water. It's got so many different weed species in it. A landscaper was not managing it properly, so he got us from your website. So he, we, I went and looked at it, and I told him, I said, we're going to have to break some eggs to make an omelet. I go, it's not going to be pretty. We're going get, to get in here and do some damage, and it's going to come back. Just you got to trust me. And he goes, Ray, every rosy person that I've hired is five-star above and beyond. So now I'm held to a higher standard. So I'm like, hey, thanks a lot. Well, thank <laughs> so you for that. We've, we've got about a minute and a half left here. And I, I guess the one question I, first question I have is a properly pre-emerged yard, you were talking about twice a year. Does that pretty much guarantee I don't have any weeds or will I still have to That's do some kind no of weeds, post? No, no weeds. So now, you, here we, because we do post and pre with it. There is one thing, we only have a minute and a half. So, uh, you always ask me before a pet peeve uh, for the just everything in my uh, being just gets so upset when I go to a house and I see the landscapers put gravel down. They spray the Bermuda grass one time. They put they they cut it out, scalp it, put the rock on top. Then it's my job. Three months later, when it comes up through the gravel and the weed berry they put down to come and try and kill it. It's not sedge and Bermuda usually, and it's so hard to do it that way, and it looks ugly. Tell all your customers, please, if you're going to consider doing gravel or artificial grass, anything to remove the Bermuda, call me first. We'll go out and give them a plan to remove it permanently. And we will have you back on to talk about that permanent way to remove Bermuda. Ray's talking about converting a lawn to a zero scape. In the air and sea and on the ground. 
continuing our topic of action items after the recent monsoons. Did you know that in Arizona, according to insectidentification.org, there are over 702 types of insects that live in Arizona, and it feels like they are all out and alive right now. What are they? Are they zigzag furculas, wood rat botflies, spiny-headed overweevils, centipedes, cat-faced spiders, over obtuse yellows, or scorpion flies? To talk to us about all the creepy, crawly, fly, stingy insects and bugs of Arizona, we've got Curtis Whalen of Blue Sky Pest Control joining us on the line. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Is it just me or has every insect that resides in the state of Arizona come out of hibernation? We definitely see a, a big increase after the monsoon rains like we had last in the last couple of weeks. And where are a lot of these guys, where, where are they living when they're in hibernation? They Well, they're not necessarily in hibernation. They're already there, and they're active. What happens is, like, for example, termites, they're active 24-7, 365 days a year. But there are certain times a year where they're more active, especially after monsoons, because of a certain, a certain different uh, variables that help them, you know, reproduce faster, and they're, mo- they're more active. And the same thing with some of the other pests that we get calls on a lot this time of year. Out by our horse stalls, whenever it rains, there is no less than 15 to 20 new anthills that pop up. And we get them all eliminated, and we're like, all right, great. Next rain comes, there's another dozen or so. When I was talking to my staff uh, recently about, hey, what are the top pests we're seeing? Ants came up top on the list, and um, that's really common. Because what happens is when, when it rains really hard, it'll usually flood their nest and it'll totally destroy what they've already have, have excavated and so then they have to rebuild it and they have to have put a lot more workers at it and so all of a sudden you just see a lot more activity and then if if it's been raining for a couple of days they they might have had to hunker down for a couple of days so now all of a sudden they're feeling the pressure to get go get more food that they haven't had the chance to get for a couple of days so it can be a variety of reasons but ants are definitely one of the top ones that we see a lot more activity after a rain and, if and those I- are the crawling ones then we also see the the swarming the swarming ants which are the, the winged reproductives, which when after a rain, we have some more humidity than normal, and it creates some conditions that it triggers them to send off swarmers. And so you'll actually see swarming ants flying to, to go uh, make a new nest. So those are a few things that, that we see. And if I remember right from a previous broadcast, y'all were in studio with us, I think one of your technicians said the biomass of ants is greater than the biomass of humans on planet earth yeah i've heard that before yeah it's, ants are one of the the most successful um animals on the planet so it's amazing uh, even though they're obviously they, their nests are usually underground um it, it's amazing what what they can do that that's a staggering statistic to think about if, if there's eight billion people and ants outweigh us how many ants must there be that that's you know, I, I couldn't pronounce a number that high. Yeah, totally. So what do you guys do for your customers this time of year? Well, um, you know, our, our services are fully guaranteed. So what happens is sometimes they are seeing some of these pests that are just more active after the rain. And so we're sometimes going out to help them with something that's popped up. And, and um, you know, also um, one of the top pests that we start seeing more of after rains is termites. Um the, ter- the termite swarmers, which are similar to the ants ones I was just talking about, they're winged and they're, they are triggered by the, a rain to go fly off and start a new colony. But also the workers that are already in established colonies, um, this rain um, softens the soil, and so they can actually work 
faster and, and we just see a lot more activity um, after the monsoon rains. So you'll start seeing more termite tubes and more termite swarmers. And that's obviously a sign that <clears throat> there are colonies nearby. And so with that, you know, we offer a, a free inspection and we go out to inspect, you know, to see what type of activity they have. And then we can we explain to them what their options are to protect their home. And you said ants are most common right now, and you also mentioned termites. What are some of the other insects that we're looking for in treating? A couple other ones that are really prevalent right now, crickets. And those are already quite prevalent this time of year. And so, you know, it could just be that after the rain, they're getting disturbed some, and they're, they're out looking, foraging for food. Um, but then with the moisture, the, the extra humidity, that they can reproduce faster. And so a lot of times they're just going to even explode more. And then also another one is, uh, this is an important one for people to be aware of, is mosquitoes. Uh, it doesn't happen immediately, but usually about a week or so after a rain, we start seeing a big increase in mosquitoes. It's because all of a sudden you have standing water and, and even water collecting in man-made containers, like cups around the pool or, you know, I even had it. In, Outdoor had my, planter garden uh, that's got yeah, soils oversaturated exactly. and you got some standing water. And I even had one time where it was in a little water bottle cap. The cap was upside down and it collected water but we're talking only like a quarter of an inch of water and i saw four or five mosquito larvae in there so it doesn't take very much water and uh, another time i found a little you know those little red flyer wagons on the side of a house and some of the this rain had gotten into it and all of a sudden there was hundreds and hundreds of mosquito larvae and they were wondering why they were seeing so many mosquitoes and it was right around the corner uh, on their own property see the thing with mosquitoes is in cooler times of the year, it takes them two to three weeks for them to develop from when they lay their eggs to when they become adults. But this time of year, when it's so warm, the water's warmer, and sometimes it only takes about five to seven days, and so it just it's happening a lot quicker right now. So that's, that's why you got to be vigilant. And we do have cases of West Nile virus, uh, St. Louis encephalitis, and some other things that mosquitoes can carry that can be dangerous for people, especially elderly. So it's something that you want to be aware of. Well, if you're tired of what's bugging you, Blue Sky Pest Control, they've been a Rosie on the House certified partner for over 10 years. Gilbert and Phoenix locations, blueskypests.com. Curtis Whalen, thanks again for taking a few minutes of your Saturday morning to join us. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Summer rain taps at my window. West wind soft as a sweet dream. My love warm as a sun. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you. Just occurred to me we hadn't even given the number out all morning long until the phone started ringing at the bottom of the hour. Obviously, people that had programmed that number into their phone. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. Text messages can be sent to four one one nine two three during the broadcast, and you can also email us <clears throat> info at rosieonthehouse if you'd like to send a picture. Or email is just your preferred method of communication. How about how about this picture of Rieto River in Tucson? That's a running river. <laughs> Tucson, I guess, is getting a little water right now. Oh. Seven inches so far. Oh man. This season. Wow. Yeah. Lucky them. Yeah, locals there anytime a storm hits, especially on the Catalinas, there's a place just north. Uh, I think it's it's on 79 as you're going to Oracle. Yeah. Where you can park along the yes. side and watch the you know just this wall of water come down. 
uh, as uh, as it drains off the Catalinas. It's very peculiar to see. It's called a live edge, and uh, when you when you ever do see one, it's it's really pretty impressive. We saw one from the air during the CAP uh, canal in the in the uh, SRP helicopter. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, there was one posted recently of uh, what was that? One of the recent fires. And so the water was just black from all mm. the soot that was coming down and all the, the, the debris that was in it. There's a very impressive... Globe. Oh. I think it was outside of Globe. Yeah, Globe oh, yeah. Miami. Yeah. And, and there's a video, and I'm going to credit ABC 15 on it. Um, you should see the size of that storm. The rain shaft is... You can't see anything through it. That's wow. how much rain it got through. But Globe Miami got hit pretty good. Well, this, was, this has been quite an interesting two-week period. I mean... Uh, We've talked about it earlier. Wettest July on record. More rain this summer so far than the last two summers combined. I think we ought to take the opportunity to run some numbers here. If water is critical to the continuing occupation of the Southwest, Listen to the numbers of what we all could contribute in the way of not just water conservation, but in harvesting and reuse. Let's take some arbitrary numbers right out of Rosie's head. Let's say there's 2 million residential rooftops below the Mogollon Rim. Let's say I've read where the average home in Arizona is about 1,600 square feet of roof area. So let's take so, the, That's garage and patio yeah. and everything. 1,600 square... Just homes. And I didn't think of this until just now. Okay. And I won't sidetrack it. We'll still use the numbers you have. Okay. Because most of them are pitched, you could probably increase that number and 1,600 square feet of rooftop, but your cap, your collection area, because it's pitched, probably is a little higher. That would be something for a real mathematician to figure <laughs> out. But if we deal with 2 million roofs, average 1,600 square feet, um, that's 3.2 billion square feet. Of rooftop. Of rooftop. And if for every inch of water that's falling on the 3.2 billion square feet of roofs, we could harvest 5 million gallons of water for every inch. So if 2 million rooftops is accurate, if 1,600 square feet is close to accurate, I believe there were many places in the state that received over 3 inches of rain in this event. We're talking in one weekend event, the potential of harvesting 10 or 15 million gallons of water. Now, you're the mathematician. You're the water ex issue expert. How many, that's gallons that if we could reuse, it's that many gallons we don't have to pump out. So it's twice the impact. Twice the impact that, Conversion to acre feet, which is what you know the, the municipalities and the water providers always 
used for measurement doesn't sound as impressive. That's 31 acre feet of water per inch per inch yeah. of 2 million yes roof 2 million square feet of rooftops. But like you said, if that's properly captured and reused, then that's an additional 31 acre feet of water we don't have to pump out of the system, whether it's CAP, SRP, or groundwater. So our impact is really 62 acre feet of water. Now that's just your rooftop. And that's you, just one event. And one event, correct. <laughs> if you took the average property, the house is a quarter size of the lot. Okay. You're allowed to capture rainwater on every square foot of your property. So if we were designed in a way to utilize every inch that fell on our property, those numbers jump to 1.2 million yes. acre feet, which is what we're currently <laughs> allowed to pump into the CAP out of Colorado in the CAP system. Now that's an, now that's an incredible concept to think about. 100% rain harvesting potential captured is the equivalent of what we're bringing in through the CAP. What we're allowed. So yeah. um, CAP's allotment is 1.4 million acre feet a year. We've been using 1.2. And that was one of the things that just drove me nuts about all the chicken little sky is falling reporters talking about you know this tier one cutback. The tier one cutback means we can only pump out 1.2 million. Well, that's all CAP has been pumping out anyway. We weren't using our full allotment. Okay. So we had virtually no effect from a tier one. Now, is a tier one cutback good? No. But isn't this chicken little sky is falling narrative that they like really love to push? Okay. So that's 100% utilized. Well, how do you utilize everything that falls in the dirt around your, your property? This is where my dream of a living pond comes into place instead of a swimming pool you have a living pond now you can swim in a pond yeah, you swim sure. in a lake you swim in a creek you swim in a stream why not a pond built properly now they're still filtered and you do it with certain plants but there's also a mechanical filter but there's no chemical use so unlike a swimming pool that's full of chlorine or shock or you know whatever else you dump into it and i'm not knocking the pool industry or pools you got you to do that yeah uh, but a living pond is managed differently, and it's I, I wouldn't use it for drinking unless it was a last resort. I'd still filter <laughs> it one more time. But you could pump that water out and use it for irrigation. So instead of having all of these you know, cisterns you have to bury, you have a living pond on your property that all the water's channeled to, and it's stored there. I mean, we could pump water to our horse bins uh, for drinking. We could yeah, pump absolutely. water to the orchard. We could pump water to the shade trees. Outdoor shower. You know, out, an outdoor <laughs> shower that, that would just fall right back into That's right. uh, the, the living pond. That's right. You know, you wouldn't use any uh, hard soaps, or you, you, and you would let it, you would build a, a rock water fall so as it's running back down it the rocks get to filter the water again so a living pond you could you could do that you would never want to capture all this water that's coming onto your property and put it in your pool in fact it costs a lot of money when it floods into your pool to clean that out so if you converted it to a living pond and something you could even swim in there's really no limit to what you could you know it then becomes a reality that you could reuse all that captured water that falls on your property and i think it challenges the concept 
of Maricopa County isn't rain harvest compatible. When you start talking about every home, water consumption averages 70% of their water is for outside the house. It's for the irrigation and landscaping. If through water harvesting, each of us could mitigate the water consumption by some amount of, by proper plant treatment, by proper surface preparation and gathering what you can, by harvesting what falls out of the sky onto your rooftops and containing it. I mean, I, I, we just want to plant this idea for any of you contemplating outdoor space revitalization. There's a very, very responsible option to living in the Southwest that could make a huge impact the way you landscape and manage your water consumption, the way I landscape and manage my water consumption. We've said it before. If every consumer in Arizona would save 10% of their water per year, it's enough water to fuel a city of 1 million people for one year. If we all can find 10% to save. Now we're talking some serious gallons there. <laughs> and that could be a solution if you've got a drainage problem where you've got standing water in your back uh, that creates ponding or a muddy situation. You know, converting that to a, you know, I'm not going to say live in pond is going to be cheaper than excavating, but a water cistern could be a temporary solution that. Uh, is a lot more affordable than doing some kind of excavating because once it's in this container now, well, you can use all kinds of piping and channeling. Gravity is your friend. Redirect it where you want to, and then it's used and reutilized instead of just ponding. So here's a couple resources we are uh, that'll be on our archive page today. The Water Resource Research Center from the University of Arizona has a nice six-page PDF on Rain Barrel Water Harvesting Guide. Uh, the Pond Gnome has a great blog article that goes back to what we were talking about, it. using the living pond to uh, be your rainwater collection. And then also, now that you have it, having uh, the ability to pump water out and reuse it on your landscape. Watershed Management Group, another great resource for taking water harvesting from just your rooftop to your entire property and depending on your neighborhood and situation and you know a lot of HOAs and or not HOAs but but master planning communities you know you see that big park that's sunken well the reason for that is water retention and and it's not that they're trying to retain it necessarily for repurposing but they're affecting the water flow and they can't let that water rechannel downstream and affect communities and neighborhoods down. So they have to have a place to put it in order to get this permit. So it's really there so they can get the permit. But what could you do with that water while it's all there? Uh, there's another one from, and we tried to get him on the air, but uh, the timing was just too short. Brad Lancaster's rain harvesting book, uh, harvestingrainwater.com, what many people think to be the authority and rainwater harvesting uh, from Tucson, Arizona. You know, you were talking about some of the uh, Chicken Little Sky is Falling uh, reports 
about this tier one and all it's going to do. And we, we do want to take it serious. But the other thing we'd like to do, because at Rosie on the House, we're about giving you the positive end of the story. Folks, do you realize now with Arizona over 7 million people, the state of Arizona is using the same amount of water as we were using in 1953. Did you hear me? We are you. And what was our population tonight? Somebody searched that. What was well, our population? It had to be about a million into and a half. You're next week's topic. Okay. And this is everything right. we put together All as right. we go into Water Month in August, um, which will be next Saturday's broadcast, 9 o'clock hour, here at Rosie on the House. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you as we bring Rose into the conversation. If you'd like to join the conversation, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. Good morning, Rose. Welcome to the program. Good morning. This is Rosie. Yes, ma'am. I have a question about our Bermuda grass. Go ahead. Uh, we really don't. We really haven't been able to get any Bermuda grass these last few summers. We had pearl scale last summer that we treated, and this summer we've just got weeds and maybe two yards of grass. Um, what can we be putting on it right now to help to get rid of the grass or the um, weeds and just kind of get it ready for fall, I guess? Well, now is a great time. Jay Harper always said the best way to kill your lawn is to water it like you want the best lawn in town. A growing lawn, a growing weed, a growing anything is absorbing a lot. So that's the time that you hit it with your weed killers to eliminate and down to the root. And it may take two applications uh, if, if it's as bad as it sounds like it might be at your home. So now is the time to really hit it with your weed killer and just visit your local garden uh, or nursery shop, find out, you know, take a picture of what you have, bring it to them so they can get an idea of what kind of weeds are in your lawn. Most every local spot in Arizona is going to have exactly what is going to be, you know, kill what's in your, your yard. Bonide has a couple great products. Weed Out um, is a good one. And I, it sounds like she's dealing with multiple problems. Grass not growing, weeds are growing, pearl scale infestation. I, you can take pictures and go to your local lawn and garden shop and get ideas. But I tell you what, I'd, I'd be real tempted to tell you, you ought to call Ray Lopez, who we had on the show earlier at Scottsdale Weed Control, and have him come out and take a look at what situation you've got. Uh, he operates valley-wide. And um, I, what I've seen him do in restoring and enhancing the Bermuda Tiff lawns is absolutely astounding. So Scottsdale Weed Control might be another phone call you want to make and get Ray to the house. But she may need both because Ray is, his little feet are on fire. Yeah, yeah his, feet are, his feet are on fire. We far. waited a little while. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Scottsdale Weed, 480 941 
888-900-9471. Let's see if we can bring George in the conversation and help him on this Saturday morning. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Rosie and Romy, how you doing? I met you at Pelt Windows and Doors one year. Are well, you here? Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for coming okay, out. I didn't hear you talking. Hey, I, I collect rainwater. I've got a 55-gallon barrel in the backyard. I fill it up, and then when it ain't raining, I empty it out. When it's empty, then I use tap water. But I want to get, like, 10 more. Okay. And I, I want to put a downspout, and I want to hook them all together so it fills the first one, and then it goes right across. Sure. What do you, what do you think of that idea? That's perfect. If you've got the room and the space to do it, that's... Uh, a great option, 10 55-gallon barrels. You know, you're going to use, depending on what you're using to water uh, and how how much water those things, you know. But he might want to go to the links you posted because <laughs> it 10 55-gallon can present some management problems that maybe one larger tank would make it a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah. That, so that is very true. Some of those links talk about the strategy and the equipment available for proper rain harvesting. Let's, let's make it as maintenance-free <laughs> as possible. And there's a lot of different ways you could set that up. You could have one big one like that, and depending on your yard and layout and gravity flow and, and your elevation train, the very first one at the downspout could be, let's say, uh, you know, a 200-gallon one. Well, then farther down, you have four more 55 girls barrel gallons at different watering spots to distribute down downstream so you know it, it's a design system that uh you know I, I don't know that there's a wrong way to do it but you know th- there's definitely a, a more maintenance free way that might be might be in uh something to look into those are all live right now if you go to rosieonthehouse.com Mouse over on the Homeowner Resources tab and click select radio broadcast slash podcast. And then you select today's program, July 31st. Scroll down to the 8 o'clock hour. Segment number three, there's four great uh, water rain harvest resources there for you, all free to the public. A lot of great information if you're looking at collecting a little bit of this rain that's fallen from the heavens here this last week.